0: You're listening to the House Divided Podcast.
1: everybody and welcome to another episode of the house divided podcast jeremy we are now two weeks in a row getting the season going right how are you buddy
0: two is a winning streak baby
1: it is yeah we are
0: we're basically professional at this um we're unionized a union of two uh
1: but uh yeah we're we're on a roll here buddy who's on the other side of that nobody employs us joe biden Okay. All right. Yeah. Me and Jeremy going to our union meetings uh, with Joe, Joe Brandon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, I figured we could start this show out with a little bit of hard knocks talk because I'm a Lions fan. You're a fan of a team that hates the Lions and we kind of got the michigan themes running through because aiden hutchinson's a star of the show let's let's do some hard knocks talk now for the listener context jeremy has not seen the newest episode as of this recording the second one uh so let me just throw out my favorite things um dan campbell using the word turd in a super serious solemn moment incredible um you know what it's actually just all dan campbell uh Devin funches. Hey, more Michigan connection. Made a touchdown catch. (laughs) And Dan goes, Fucking funches bunches of oats, man. (laughs) I lost it. Oh my God. Yeah, so lots of good MCTC. Yeah. God Yeah. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Lots of good motor city Dan Campbell. Um so, but you've seen the first episode. How, how is it from a Spartan watching your rival perform Billie Jean and go viral <laughs> on sports Twitter?
0: I would say that was good. I, my wife enjoyed it. Um, it's funny cause that makes each of our sides have been represented cause, uh, represented now cause, uh, the year again, this is you. So to fill in the listener, this is your first time watching hard knocks. I've probably watched Correct. it just about every year, um, when the bucks were on it that was riley bola's uh rookie year and he had to sing a song and he did uh 679 uh for his song so and that also ripped ass so it was awesome so i think it's good that you guys are in the lexicon now the favorite part is the guy blind catching a shirt and then just
1: whipping oh, around yeah. his head in the front oh, row oh my god um jared say, davis just launching a shirt in the first place <laughs> jesus
0: i will say uh um some other highlights i know for episode two i haven't even watched it yet but just i'm on twitter all day i'm gonna love the discussion of tj hawkinson wearing the short shorts i'm team oh, short yeah. shorts I have a
1: leg tattoo. I'm all about show your legs. Let's go. Um, we like some we like some man legs on the yeah, House Divided podcast. Yeah, we're, and we're uh, like I was also shorts. a fan of the Hawkins and Shorts man. Um,
0: I will say some other highlights from the first episode. I loved Dan Campbell discussing that uh, climbing over the gate in his house where the dogs are held back. <laughs> almost made him break his wrist, which was going to make the up downs harder.
1: Can I relate to them. that.
0: I related to that so well cause we have dog gates everywhere and I've had to carry, you know, my now two year old, but there are times I'm carrying a four month old baby trying to climb over those. And I'm thinking all it takes is like one thing, not sitting right on the other side and I'm me and the kid are going down. Um, so I really related to the Dan Campbell uh, dad story there. The only thing I love, I'm hoping they get out in the city more. The first episode was just all Allen Park. And like they went to the stadium, they had their scrimmage, right? But like I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for the hard knocks, you know. Like they usually have like, by you get to like the second or third episode, like you have the rookie that like goes to the Detroit Zoo with his fiance, and they're talking about camp. Yeah. But you like, get to get some cool shots you, of the city. You got a, and-
1: yeah, you got a little bit of David Blau. Going okay. out and not really doing anything with Detroit, though it was more about him and his wife. If you didn't know, his wife is a uh, Olympic sprinter, so okay. Uh, okay. they got a good relationship going on. But yeah, they, they got a little bit more outside yeah. of the normal. So that's the stuff.
0: I mean, like, like I mean, some of the stuff I remember, like, yeah, like the first the first season of Hard Knocks, I want to say, came out when I was like in high school, and I was obsessed. Uh, and it featured Jared Allen, who was with the Kansas City Chiefs at the time. Uh, fresh off I think a DUI I, I can't remember why but he wasn't drinking and he they had this big ass meat-headed pullback that was just like the biggest beefcake you ever met and uh, they're sitting at the bar and I still remember to this day that Jared Allen ordered a no duels and he turned to the fullback. he says the beer drinker's beer when you can't drink beer and I still say that to this day whenever I see a no duels so <laughs> no I man, it's a good it's a good season I think Dan Campbell's a star. I already liked Dan Campbell, and now I'm going to come out of this, like, really liking Dan Campbell to the point where I'm like, I really want the Lions to be pretty much semi-successful at least, because I want Dan Campbell to succeed. America's um, team, baby. Extremely likable guy. And I already yeah. liked him, but, like, this this show is made for the Dan Campbells. I had the same thing coming out of the Buck season with, uh, what was... The coach that had cancer from like the Colts won the Super Bowl with them. Oh, uh, Arians. Arians, yeah. Arians was an absolute stud on uh, a hard knock. So, so yeah, I'm loving Campbell, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to episode two and some T.J. Hawkinson. And yeah, man, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. got me.
1: He's got me maxing my caffeine intake, man. Listen to oh Metallica well, yeah, much, all day. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I dude, coffee. I I love the guy, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool seeing the Lions. Oh. Be... i
0: forgot my other favorite positive way my other favorite from episode one i have listened to no leaf clover more times (laughs) in the last week than i had since probably middle school i mean i used to just absolutely love that song and i have watched a bunch of metallica last night like live metallica shows because of dan campbell
1: city dan campbell baby and i tell you what between the no leaf clover (laughs) reference on hard knocks and uh master of puppets on stranger things. Metallica's having a, great year. <laughs> I'm having a great year.
0: My wife my wife finished Dan Campbell's speech, which was just a moment where I was like, This is just our worlds. I mean, I also like Metallica, but I was just like, This is my ticket. This is how I get her in. I her Hell yeah. Find that again, she's the one who makes me a Bears fan though. So I thought it was kind of funny. Um, you know, that she she's fallen in love with the Lions coach too.
1: But well, how could you not? Uh, uh, get ready for this sick transition. Hard Knocks is a show about fall camp, and guess who else is going through fall camp? Uh-huh. Our teams, Jeremy. Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, uh. The, the Kool-Aid is coming out. Hot, on my side at least. I, those those message board posters really know how to get a guy riled up, you know. But... Uh, we're we're steamrolling towards football season. I believe kickoff is two weeks from this upcoming Saturday. Yes, that is correct. And man, I'm excited. So I figure it's time for us to start talking previews. And as we said, we're going vibes here, vibes only. Just kidding. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about real stuff. But uh, we're gonna go with our top four. Storylines on the offensive side of the ball for each of our teams, uh, for being the the number of teams that get in the playoffs. So that's our uh, number here. Uh, Jeremy, let's let's lead off. Let's trade. Let's go back and forth. Keep the discussion. Keep people. Don't let Michigan fans tune out for twenty minutes, and same vice versa. Let's let's go back and forth. Uh, and I'll let you lead since your team beat my team. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, you know
0: what? I thought of another transition there too. Like, I don't remember what the summer was like head in, but I just remembered that All or Nothing also was uh, at Michigan before. But Hard Knocks already is way more entertaining because they actually have access. Um, Yeah,
1: that uh, that retroactive transition was real nice, (laughs) uh, but now we have to talk about All or Nothing. Can we just talk about how outside of the pandemic, twenty seventeen was? easily not even close the worst season of the Harbaugh era and of course that's the one I got the behind the scenes for <sighs> uh, yeah real well
0: okay uh no I was. I mean I think so yeah my, my first my first storyline I think uh it's pretty underrated I don't know if many people are aware but um our starting wide receiver and our starting quarterback like have known each other since high school so I'm thinking that uh we're going to have some chemistry there. I, th- I think that's the kind of where you gotta start the offense, though, really, right? Peyton Thorne to Jaden Reed, I think um, by no means can that – can one connection quarterback to wide receiver replace the production of a Kenneth Walker. But I think for if you're an MSU fan trying to find the positive or trying to find where you replace some of that production, it's that you look at can we take a step forward in the passing game and and see a little bit more out of what was, I mean, a pretty darn productive pairing last year. Um, and one that we weren't sure that we were going to get. I was pretty 50-50 on Jaden Reed coming back or not. Uh, you know, I to be honest, like, I think that if uh, – I think for real, if Peyton Thorne's not the quarterback, I think Jaden Reed's not back at MSU. Um, I think it's it's honestly – as funny as it is to just make the meme of, Did you know they've known each other since high school? Like, I legitimately think that is now why they are still playing together. <laughs> um, I think they both wanted one more run together. Uh, you know, I'm sure they both talked about it. Um, they both are now in name image likeness deals together. Like, it's just, a, it's a thing, it's an actual thing. Um, and their first game, they get to go play Peyton Thorne's dad. So, it's going to be a storyline that you're going to hear a lot early in the season. And I'm sure just hear a lot that Friday night on whatever BTN or whatever we're
1: on. So you're saying that not only did Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed grow up playing together, but Peyton Thorne is a coach's son. I had never heard this before. That that is brand new, brand new information. Oh, oh god. And I tell you what, we we love the we love the weekly storylines. It's good. Um Yeah, so I think
0: that's gonna be number one for me, right? Like that's that's, yeah, yeah. That's a big storyline for us.
1: but really, I mean, that dictates your season, I think. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that if Jaden Reed and Peyton Thorne, not all, they need to step up, honestly, from what they did mm-hmm. last year, obviously. They, they showed they can, though, uh, played against Pitt very well. But but I think it really dictates the ceiling of the offense. And as we talked about in our vibe section last week, I think your offense is more dictating your season than your defense just because of the secondary issues that uh, I'm not going to say they didn't get resolved because we don't get to watch teams play, but there were certainly there was no magic bandaid roster wise. So I, I I think that's a good number one. Um, you'll You'll also never guess what my number one storyline is heading into Michigan season offensively. Have you heard Jeremy? That J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara could both – who's going to play? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually,
0: in uh, fact, I heard it today from your head coach,
1: which yeah, for yeah. some
0: reason caused some discussion. I don't know.
1: Yeah, there we go. So let me pull up the exact Harvard quote because I wouldn't want to misquote the guy. Um, well, You know what? Never mind. I'm not going to look it up. I hope I misquote him uh basically he said it's going to go into the season um he said it could he said it could go into the season the QB battle and i got to tell you that makes me feel like jj won the job and i know, i i know not yet but like come on dude like if it's if it's that close and you're letting them both play i think you're halfway to that decision am i am i is that too speculative
0: you might be a little speculative there um i mean like let's no it's speculative
1: there. for sure but like is it am i uh, on the moon or am i uh, you know kind of got a decent idea
0: yeah no i think you i think you have like a, a decent idea there but i would say that um i i looking at michigan's schedule it's a little bit different than last year right like where last year you have that michigan or i'm sorry the washington game hanging out there uh, early in the season, and you're kind of like, well, we don't have a lot of runway. We really need to figure out before Washington. We don't want to be making a QB change second quarter of that game. I- ideally, like we don't want to be rotating two guys in. We want to know with a decent amount of certainty, who's our guy for this point in the season. Uh, but this year you don't have that. You have a really weak yeah. out-of-conference schedule. You really so just no, hope. Yeah, there's no reason to... I, I think this is actually pretty well handled by Harbaugh and that there's no reason. What I do think it does say is that it is closer than maybe it should be with the returning quarterback. I think that's fair. Um, I think yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. very close. And I think, but there's no reason to lock it in. Cause then no, if you lock course. it in and you say, Cade's the guy cause Cade was the guy last year and he shows any struggles in this week schedule where you're going to blow teams out and JJ is going to get mop up duty or consistent drives now you've just created a storyline in september that came out of nowhere because in august or in july you said kate's the guy now you've left yourself the wiggle room that if uh if it if you're in september and jj in front of all the fans is clearly the better guy you you never said he couldn't be the guy so i think it's actually really well handled um but i wouldn't say that it necessarily means he's won the job either.
1: I hear you. Um. Yeah. I, I. When I say won the job, I guess I more meant like I'm just looking into the future, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and and I really. But you know, you make a good point about the schedule. They did not need. There's really you just hope to have your starter decided going into Big Ten play week four. I I mean you're you're not mm-hmm. worried enough about any of Colorado State, are who else save even play? I can't Hawaii. I'm going to that game. Stupid. Uh. Anyways, uh, Hawaii, Colorado State, UConn. You're not going into any of those games being like, "Well, we better know who our quarterback is," or this shit could go off the rails real quick. Because that's that's not going to be the case. Not with the talent they have. talent they have around them. Um. So yeah, I just in general uh, the fact that we're two weeks out and. Cade hasn't run away with it, makes me just feel better about J.J. being in it. J.J. missed a spring. Like, he's a, he's a true sophomore who missed a lot of spring ball and was hurt. And, and so for him to be in this to the point where Harbaugh is preemptively saying two weeks, two and a half weeks before games, like, warning people this could go into the season instead of just playing coy and not talking about it. Because uh, he easily could have done that. Just say, hey, they're both battling hard. You know, we're pretty far out for that. I guess is what makes me feel that way. But you know, who knows? I, as I said last week, I'd be thrilled to see Cade back. I'd just be more thrilled to see JJ because of what that would mean for Michigan's ceiling this year. Okay, number two storyline: Bear for the Michigan State Spartans offense. <laughs>
0: Number two for us, let's see here. Uh, well, we kind of talked about replacing the uh, the reduction of a running back that was close to being a Heisman finalist, I guess, right? Um, I think for us, the second storyline has got to be who – do you replace him with one guy, or how does this running back room go this year? Because I think that's even the more intriguing thing is, does it become a one-for-one? One? Does Jalen Berger, the Wisconsin transfer – you know, former four-star. Does he carry the load? They were talking about him a lot out of the first scrimmage, um, but pretty limited college carries at Wisconsin. Or is it Jarek Broussard, who played with Mel at Colorado, has won Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year? I, you know, I think they neither one of them alone is a Kenneth Walker, um, in like well-rounded running game. So it's. Does it become a stable and the two of them can replace some of that production, or does one of them really run off, or does one not really reach its potential, or do they both kind of underwhelm? I think that's going to be a big storyline. Because if they both underwhelm, um that relates back to the first storyline and makes it a lot harder for Thorne and Reed to do their job. So uh you know, I think we need to have at least what I mean, what I you know, I would love to hear your opinion on it, but I think we need to have at least a 80 percent replacement like of kenneth walker to to have a successful se- to have a eight or nine win season uh like don't need a hundred percent because i don't think that's even possible in my opinion like kenneth Walker's season will probably go down as one of the best individual performances i ever see of a michigan state player so it's not just gonna say yep we go the next year we pull out of the portal the next one <laughs> that's just not how life works but uh, but yeah, I think we probably need at least like an 80, 85% replacement to, to reach some of the goals they want to have. So, uh, or be in conversation for the goals they want to have. So that's going to be a big storyline that similar to the Cade and JJ is not going to be solved early in the season. It is going to be solved over multiple games and it's going to be solved in the big 10 season when competition really stiffens up.
1: Yeah, I I think it'll be really interesting to see how the run game translates this year, because a lot of last year, I mean, Kenneth Walker just had so many yards after contact, and like he was not being given a bunch of holes to run through. (laughs) Um, So it's not as simple as maybe on the Michigan side of the running back room, you lose Haskins, but you're confident that whoever is plugging in there is gonna have somewhere to run and and I'm not super confident with that on Michigan State's end um none of the guys in that backfield really impressed me a ton maybe Berger does come that's his name from Wisconsin Mm Jalen yeah um maybe he comes in and is is very impressive 80 percent of Kenneth Walker is asking a lot though. So it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. And obviously they got to go up to play a tough road game in Washington week Two. So that'll be a really good early test. And I think we'll find out a lot about what it's going to be like post Kenneth Walker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also kind of exciting because uh, exciting. Not, I know I like, guess it's a scary exciting because having Kenneth Walker, like even in a third and long, you could be like, if we run it here, who knows what Kenneth Walker is going to yeah. do. Um, I will say one correction: we play Washington Week Three, so we do get oh, at least man. a little more runway. Uh, you know, playing before... Week One, your
1: pussies. Yeah, <laughs> says yeah. the guy playing nobody until Week Four. Yeah.
0: yeah, but um, but no, I think I think uh, what's also kind of exciting is like how how you go about using them. Like I think Jared Parcard is a little bit more slight build, and you know can you catch the ball out of the backfield or do some different things with him? And do you have like a more change of pace back? And then like your every down back, like, I just, I'm kind of curious to see in year three where like, I've been pretty happy with the Jay Johnson offense experience. And I just kind of want to see what happens with uh, like, is it, is it everything we think it could be? Or was it Kenneth Walker? (laughs) Like, I think that we'll, we'll learn a lot about um, maybe the optimism or where we should feel with, uh, the, the long-term health of like the current staff and meaning not at Mel Tucker's level, but his offensive staff, uh, you know, what, what work they're putting in.
1: Yeah, And, uh, man, I hope it goes poorly anyways. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Couldn't resist. Uh, my number two storyline going into the 2022 season for the Michigan offense is Senator on the offensive line. Um, Jim Harbaugh, since he got to Michigan, has not been shy about saying that he wants his identity of his football team to be able to pound it down your throat and run you over and have the biggest, of dudes on the O-line being the core of their team. And really, I would say last year was the first time since he's been here that that would be the case where, where we had a an actual dominant offensive line. And, award-winning and offensive line. An award-winning offensive line. And so you lose Andrew Suber at tackle, uh, but you bring in a center from Virginia who uh, – I should know his name, but I don't have it up right now. But they, they brought in that center, the transfer from Virginia to play center, and everything out of the Kool-Aid camp is – that's going very well. Uh, and, and I really just think they returned, I think three or five starters, if not four or five, and and they got a bunch of dudes. And so I think I'm really interested to see, unfortunately, it's not till that fifth game against Iowa, where I think we're going to really see if they're a bunch of badasses or not again. But I tell you what, if they go in to Kinnick and they run it down their throat at, at Kinnick stadium. In control the line of scrimmage, well, then I'm ready to already say, okay, this is the same group as last year. They're going to punch you in the teeth, and and I'm ready to roll with them. And I honestly think, obviously, the QB battle is the number one storyline because everybody wants to talk about it. But I think in terms of the importance of Michigan's offense being not good, but great, because I really think that's what they're going to need, is a, a great offense this year. It is that offensive line and how many easy yards they're getting because those easy yards accrue over a season and not only does it help with scoring points but easy yards help save bodies for your skill position players they it helps your your quarterback obviously michigan's in the best position to get a starting quarterback hurt they've been in since i've been alive but well not since i've been alive i was i was a wee lad when uh, tom brady and drew we were doing that but <laughs> but you know what i mean so yeah. i i think the offensive line is a major storyline going in and i'm really looking forward to see see how they're da- dominant in early october because they don't play anybody of note before them
0: yeah no i, I think that's uh it's interesting because you don't usually offensive line you can feel a little bit more confident that you don't see huge drop-offs like if you're a team who develops a as you mentioned an award-winning offensive line like Michigan even when you lose guys you usually have the depth behind it that while there might be a drop it isn't going to be big and heck you may have some guys that were just needing to be some time in the weight room but they may be even better Um, so I think I wouldn't be expecting a huge drop-off here, but it doesn't take much for that drop to feel huge right? either. Yeah, um, that's absolutely you know, true. That offensive line, like, to me, I mean, I think a lot of credit really goes to the defense for that game against Ohio State, but I think that every offensive line Michigan had previous years, you guys are in a close game with Ohio State. The reason you mashed them and just ran that thing the hell up was they just were on un- otherworldly that day?
1: I'm gonna disagree with you. Uh, yeah, the the defense was was great that day because they stopped Ohio State like two or three times. But but really, dude, I if Michigan doesn't have that offensive line, I don't think you can confidently go out and say, hey, we're gonna go score on every drive in the second half. And if they don't do that, the game's over. Because Mm -hmm. when they're able to do that and move the ball like that and give Haskins his yards and let him go to work, then all you have to go say to the defense is be like, dude, if you can just stop this death star, like, like twice today, the rest of the day, Mm -hmm. then we can win. And that's really what happened. Ohio state's offense was absurd that day outside of a few plays. Um Man. but but I, I I do get your point because it does Yeah, no, I think
0: if anything I, mean, I say we can really totally disagree I think you just even emphasize what the office line did more than than yeah. I gave them credit for I think yeah, anything, I agree, we're yeah. just you're just emphasizing even more what I was saying there and yeah I mean they were like like I think all the highlights coming out of the game I guess are Hayden Hutchinson or or you know the defense on the field with um or, but again I think the offensive line running over when yeah, a little skirmish with someone getting their helmet ripped off like that was the best moment like
1: of I, I don't think we podcasted through Michigan football being unbelievable. Uh, so I'm just gonna ramble about this for just like thirty seconds. <laughs> that moment is like peak what you want to happen in the game where you finally beat your rival after Mm -hmm. being stranded in the desert for 40 years. And then you finally get the promised land for that to happen. Unbelievable moment. And it was really representative of the whole and and at at home. Yeah. Oh yeah. It got
0: the crowd going yeah, in your favor. Like if that happens at Ohio state, it gets the crowd going, but
1: the other way. Right, right. right, And just the whole, just the visual of it all yep. in the Snow metaphor for how that game went in, you know, you have some shenanigans, and then here comes Michigan's MVP of that game for me, the offensive line, maybe Haskins, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but just running over, looking down on this guy, and the guy's barking like a little dog, and... <laughs> And he's getting looked down upon and just a cool visual man that game i was never going to be team blue pants but that team that those memories now have officially seared positivity in my brain about that <laughs> all blue uniform so i uh yeah what a game what a team god i'm gonna get if if the season goes off the rails by the way brendan's gonna get real reminiscent about 2021 real quick <laughs> it's
0: a part of growing old my man.
1: Yeah, all right. Um, let's go to three, I guess. What's your number three? Yeah, I was line?
0: gonna say it's it's. I'm you know, just to just to build off yours. I think for MSU, it's the same thing. I I mean, we are doing one side of the ball. We're gonna cross over and have a lot of the same things, right? But yeah. for MSU on the offensive line, it's not that they were an award winning offensive line last year. Can they repeat what they did? I think I feel pretty solid in maybe the first six to seven of the offensive linemen like you have you're starting five and maybe a couple guys but we are thin at tackle and it's one of those things where it's like can we build the depth to i think make it through the season i think that uh i mean two years in a row now we've had a storyline at the spring game where a whole position group really doesn't get to do much uh mel's first non-covid spring game We had one scholarship D back, I think, playing um, in the spring game. This spring game featured not enough healthy offensive linemen to do a full scrimmage. Like we did drills because the healthy offensive linemen were included, you know, a whole second unit of walk on freshmen. So that's just not going to give you a good feel of where your offense is at, where your defense is at, all that stuff. So um, now since then, I mean, some guys have come back healthy, but it's just, it's one of those where there's a ton of freshmen on this team who I think will be the depth and the building of an offensive line two, three years down the road. But for this team, you still need this offensive line to just be in every treatment table, doing everything they can to keep the starting unit together. Cause once you get past, you know, linemen six or seven on that depth chart, you get really young really quickly. Um, That's just not, we're not pulling all five-star linemen right now that can play in the Big Ten as a freshman, right? So uh, it's it's going to be a big storyline for MSU is that, that depth. Because I think the starting unit is pretty good. I mean, you know, Horse Duplain, uh, they get a graduate transfer and Brian Green from Washington State, Nick Saymax, Spencer Brown, like those are guys that have played a lot of college football. Like Saymax and Duplain have been starting – together since they were freshmen basically um you know mid-freshman year so there's a ton of experience there but uh you you just need that unit to stay healthy because the the ceiling of the season can really restrict quickly um with a couple of injuries along that line
1: yeah, yeah man. Uh, it is disheartening to hear that this is the year that you guys are just unbelievably thin at tackle because I would have taken that in the O'Jabo Hutchinson year rather in the we don't have an edge rusher year. Uh, but yeah, it, I'm really interested to see again because I mean it was it was a major problem last year. The offensive line just it it hindered a lot of progress. And so I'm really just in Mel Tucker's trajectory as Michigan State coach interested to see what the next chapter of that looks like uh man i really just would like them to be bad i'm gonna say that (laughs) about every i just i'm sick of losing you guys that's the problem is mel tucker's 2 and 0 against jim harble (laughs) so that's why i'm gonna keep saying i really hope they're bad
0: yeah Uh, speaking of hoping
1: somebody's bad my number three storyline is the coaching change offensive coordinator so the hoping somebody's bad part comes into my theory that josh gaddis is overrated and was not the main driver behind the offense being good last year uh michigan brings in well they have co-offensive coordinators you brought sharon Moore in from the offensive line
0: Good unit to move someone up. Yeah, no
1: no shit. Yeah. I mean, and if you're gonna you, move
0: someone up, that's it's a good place to start. Yeah. From and, and that then, team last
1: year. Yep. And then you have oh my god. And I'm I fucked it up last week. And so if oh I, god, that's off, you if I the pull that's why if I pull the wrong the Zoom call. If I oh. pull the wrong name out of the hat, I apologize, but I think it's Matt Weiss. I think that's what we agreed. Yes. Yes, yes, okay. So. Last
0: week. so here's my question to you. I uh not but, knowing how it they was set up last year, was Sharon also like did they do the thing where he was OL plus run game coordinator thing, or was it all Gaddis?
1: No, it was it, Gaddis had offensive coordinator, there was no and it was no run game just, coordinator, it was, okay. yeah. And that is the part that makes me nervous because, um, the run game coordinator, pass game coordinator of Pep Hamilton, Ed Warner, I was just all saying, that, that I didn't really be, work for me. I
0: gotta say, Jim. Jim has had bad experiences with the dual coach thing. And, I mean, on our side of things, we've had bad experiences with the co-defensive mm-hmm. coordinator experience yeah. in the past. Yeah, I'm a so little skeptical. I'm not skeptical. a fan of the co-thing. I'm not a Neither fan of man. that. Um, Got to be honest.
1: I, I, hey, I, I'm not going to offer you pushback because it also <laughs> makes me nervous. The, the one thing I'll say is Sharon Moore, I mean, obviously did an excellent job, and we highlighted that. But, Matt, why is – nobody thought Cade McNamara was going to be fucking anything last year. And we were talking before we recorded about how my biggest worry going into the year was about Cade McNamara. And so it it just, you got to factor that in as well. I think you got to think Matt Weiss had something to do with that. Hopefully they continue rocking and rolling. But my guess, my biggest thing with this is their job isn't hard, right? You bring back all those offensive linemen. You bring back everybody who caught a pass for you last year. Except for... uh, Well, no, Hassan Haskins didn't catch out of the backfield. So you, you bring back everybody who caught a pass for you last year. You have two guys who were freshman, sophomore last year at running back, making that leap to sophomore, junior, which is a big thing. And I really think that it would be hard to screw up this offense. So I guess... That's my prevailing theory, and that combined with just thinking very little of Josh Gaddis. I I cannot emphasize how little I think of Josh Gaddis. He really, I think, fell into this situation, and then for him to just be like, you guys weren't gonna make me the head coach if Jim left, so I'm leaving. <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. Get out of here then. Nobody gives a shit. They're gonna they're gonna be just fine without you. And I hope they average forty two a game. So we'll see. I don't know. I think the coaching change is gonna go well despite my worries about about the old co uh co situation.
0: I think I'm gonna need you to timestamp when you uh you know with our professional editing that we do, I'm going to need to timestamp that because that could just be a great thing to pull if this doesn't go well and like Josh Gattis is killing it at Miami. Just that for the like. Would be hilarious. The, it would be a great one to pull. But no, I, he doesn't seem like a very, uh yeah, that was kind of weird. Like I, it's, it's hard to be the offensive coordinator that just was a pretty big, you would assume a pretty big part of helping your team get a big time championship and you just instantly burn everything that you built oh, up with that fan base yeah. Yeah.
1: So,
0: yeah. Uh, immediately. No,
1: and, but what I will say leave. here is that I think I think everybody in the room knew his ego was something like that because – so schools can only nominate one coach for the Broyles Award, and that was the big deal when he leaves. Oh, Broyles Award winner leaves Michigan. Oh, blah, blah. Bro, he wasn't the best coordinator on his team, and I am positive they nominated him because they knew if they nominated Mike McDonald, he'd be this. And yeah. just yeah, so yeah. I I don't know. I'm making Bro. a lot of conjecture here, but I think it's fun because I don't know him. So what, what does it hurt? Yeah. Yeah. All Confirmed right. Confirmed listener. All right. And so we're going to switch it up. I'm just going to steal the last one and we're going to go with Michigan's last storyline. For me, it's Ronnie Bell. And I think it's really interesting. Ronnie Bell is in a peculiar situation. His sophomore year, well, his freshman and his sophomore year, he's a year below the, the star receiver class with Tariq Black, Nico Collins, DPJ. And even when he's a freshman and then his sophomore year, he didn't outshine him, but he was a dude with him. So then those guys all move on to the NFL. He comes up for, you know, his, or well, no, I think it would have been a senior year because junior year was COVID. That didn't happen. And uh, so he went into his senior year thinking, okay, well he wouldn't have got drafted as a junior, but this guy is going to play himself into the draft. Well, he gets hurt in the third quarter of the season opener for the year. And so he has no opportunity to play into a draft board. He didn't position himself prior to that where he can take a senior year off and get drafted. So now Michigan gets a fifth-year wide receiver back that they really shouldn't have. They shouldn't have a 23-year-old Ronnie Bell. Um, He should be in the NFL at this age. But just circumstances keep him here. But... He's coming off of a year long injury. And so I think it's just really interesting. I think that this could play out one way where he's that dog and can just take the top off a defense, gets a bunch of yards after catch, looks like a senior Ronnie Bell, but I also wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Michigan, their wide receiver room right now is kind of stacked to the point where they told Mike Sanders who's a, pretty good receiver. They told him might want to hop on the other side of the ball. So Andre Anthony is taking the freshman to sophomore lump jump and it should, it won't be a lump folks. It's going to be a, it's going to be a mountain. I'm, I'm seeing it. He's going to, he's getting Braylon comparisons. Where makes, it, so, that I, I that mean, makes. you have, a- he could, he could easily be the go-to guy and Ronnie Bell could fade into that Cornelius Johnson type role. I don't know what to expect, and honestly, I'm really excited to see. Uh, This is one where, you know, with the offensive line and obviously the quarterbacks we talked about, we're not going to know right at the beginning of the season. Obviously, you're not going to get a representation of how he's going to play against the best teams on a schedule at the beginning of the year, but I think we're going to see pretty quickly if Ronnie Bell is back or, or if he's just a part of the offense again, so... Uh, that That's mine. My last storyline. I, I think it's going to be exciting to see. I think he could be a really good guy just for the McNamara or JJ to lean on in tough situations. So, uh, yeah, th- those are my offensive storylines. If you thought they were too positive, just tune in next week when I have to talk about the defense.
0: <laughs> yeah. As you say, um, I think, I think for me, I'll stick with wide receiver for the fourth one. Uh, and he's he's kind of a star of MSU Twitter but Keon Coleman man that's Mm, that's my storyline like and and the thing about it is it's it's Keon Coleman who I think we kind of disrespect Trey Mosley in the conversation of you know always it's Jaden reading Keon Coleman because of Keon's just freakish athletic talent he's a big social media guy he is ripped as hell at camp right now. He played on the basketball team, scores points against Michigan, like the whole thing, you know, the Keon that story happen. is yeah, yeah. dude happened. Uh, the Keon story is is interesting, but like the thing that I think from MSU perspective you can look at it, is I still think Trey Mosley is wide receiver two. But if you get the Keon Coleman that we're getting the hype about in camp right now, like the main MSU football account almost every day is putting something up about Keon Coleman. And they did that last summer too, and really tried to let you know that Kenneth Walker was that dude. They are hyping Keon Coleman very much this summer, the way that they tried to hype Kenneth Walker last year. Um, Doesn't mean again, that he's going to reach that standard. Right. But I think that that's not nothing. They don't just hype a guy that they're thinking, huh? he's going to catch 15 balls this year. I think, if Keon Coleman becomes what they talk about, like we're talking about MSU between Reed, Mosley, Coleman, you're talking probably the second best wide receiving core in the conference probably. I mean, no one touches Ohio State. Like no one can touch what they have, but it, that's a pretty big like stick to carry if MSU can bring those three wide receivers. And it just opens up the offense so much that if those three are out there, now you get a little bit more space for your tight end. You get a little more space for your running back. Like you have to respect all three. So um, I think Keon Coleman is just going to, it's going to be one that MSU fans on the timeline are going to make you hear about because we all love Keon and he's, you know, he's kind of a, a social media, just a perfect guy for social media to get excited about. Um, but now it'll be, does he back it up? Or is he just kind of a fun thing for us to have on social media with his uh, you know, when he catches the touchdown against Ohio State, and you're losing 42 to nothing, like is that Keon Coleman, or you gonna start, you gonna start being uh, more than that, right? So no, I, I think he's gonna be probably the most fun, the most out of. With your non-MSU fan, he could be like the out of the blue story. Yeah, uh, like when you look up and they're five and one or something, and we have a, you know, five and one or five and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, and you're going into a good matchup like. All of a sudden, on game day, it's talking about like, oh, Keon Coleman, like, no one really saw us. He plays basketball, he does this, and like, he's this freak athlete, three star athlete from Louisiana. Um, you know, and, and I think that it could get pretty fun pretty quickly, uh, if he lives up to what we're hyping. So,
1: I like it. I like that, you know. I really do get annoyed when MSU gets really cool athletes like like you know because I I like Keon Coleman I, really Jaden Reed like I I really Jayden like him legit, I was a fan man. I was a I was a fan of Kenneth Walker until he tore my fucking heart out but uh you know it it, it is cool to see uh some dudes on the other side I, I was talking with uh my friend of the podcast, I don't know if you know him, B1G Ryan of Flipping the Field uh, on Twitter, and he he was I asked him what Big Ten wide receiving core he has above Michigan's, and he mentioned uh, Michigan State among Maryland and uh, Penn State, and I was yeah. a little bit How about surprised. the Big Ten East. God, yeah, yeah, and, and I, I I'd be willing to go to bat for my guys over maybe. Some of those, but like even Michigan State, I think it's close, but I I think the problem is, is Michigan doesn't have those guys who you can certifiably say like he's a dude, he's going to dominate. I think Andre Anthony could be that guy. I think Ronnie Bell could be that guy, but. We'll see. And I also think that whenever I'm thinking of this conversation, I'm kind of factoring in the fact that Eric All and Luke Sco- uh, Schoonmaker are both super badass tight ends and they're going to catch the ball a hell of a lot as well. Um, There's a big out, difference. Shout out, to, shout out to Eric All uh, going with the crying thing at the Ohio State fans. <laughs> last year uh it, i realize this is not a visual podcast and i just did the thing that he did and just called it the crying thing my apologies <sighs> folks uh, uh, it's where you close your hands like this and kind of move your wrist to make it look like you're wiping tears just I'm, so
0: you know I'm brendan's chilling. jerking off right now so <laughs> parody satire, fresh parody
1: satire just... not jerking off on camera because that'll get me fired from my job <laughs> Nah, you know, throw back to that news story when that guy got fired for cranking it on Zoom with his co-worker. Listen,
0: that's not just some guy. That was Jeffrey Tubin. All right, <laughs> a steam guy named warrior.
1: Tubin cranking it on live <laughs> camera. Awesome, dude. Well, anyways, that's it. so. Um, I I just came up while we were talking about this. Remember, this
0: we're we're, we're in a union, Brendan. You are fine. Oh progressed. yeah, they can't
1: find Do whatever you want to do. President Brandon can't do shit. We uh, we're gonna each predict the final season-ending uh ranking of on SP Plus uh, for each offense. Okay.
0: All right. Well, let me see if I'm. I'm gonna have to pull up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You uh, do that. I'm last just gonna last season.
0: So I think it'll be good to know like where we were at last season. Yeah, that's a good uh, idea. Which, so. by the way, we're gonna put a little plug in. I miss Bill C being on. Yep.
1: Yes. Anything but
0: not ESPN because now you can never find his <sighs> shit. Never
1: find anything ever again. I I have ESPN Plus and it's still a pain in the dick to read anything you write. It's terrible. I, you have to I,
0: pull up like I have to go to like his Google Doc. One second. Go ahead. You, you you uh vamp a little bit. Let me let me see if I can find uh.
1: Folks, if you don't know what SP Plus is, it's a rating system made by uh. Godman Bill Connolly, which has quantified who has quantified football down to a bunch of numbers. And while it's not perfect because numbers never tell the whole story, generally um it gives a lot of good context for what you're watching. So uh I'm gonna guess that if he's he's looking up the twenty twenty one final SP plus ratings I'm going to guess that Michigan's offense was somewhere in the 15 to 20 range and that Michigan State was somewhere in the 25 to 30. Um, are you still loading it up?
0: Literally can't even find where he houses it anymore. That's so. sick.
1: Okay, well, we're then we're making our 2020 <laughs> predictions blind. Yes. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say Michigan – is going to finish with the sixth best offense in the country per SP Plus at the end of the year. Sixth, huh? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think I might have found it. Like I had to go through some links here. Let me see where we were. So And you know time... what?
1: I'll, I'll put out a Michigan State guess.
0: So Michigan, you were
1: at nineteen. 21st. We were nineteen. At 19. Hey, I said year. between fifteen and twenty. That's right. So good
0: job. So you're guessing uh, from a nineteen to six bump yes. for Michigan. Yes. Michigan State was you were just outside, but you were close. It was at thirty-one. Mm. So yeah. thirty-one last year. I fucking nailed um, it, guys. Yeah, you did pretty good on that, and I think I think those are pretty good. Uh, Michigan State. So I mean, I also see a jump for Michigan State in the SP Plus rankings, which is. I know kind of hard to believe with Kenneth Walker, but I think that last year, like specifically thinking of so much of what goes into SP plus when you're looking at the offense, I think their passing down performance was probably not going to be as good as it's going to be this year. I think that they, um, you know, were probably great in its explosion metrics and his big play metrics, but not doing well on, you know, being ahead of the chains, uh, passing down metrics, things like that, that I think they're going to be a more well-rounded offense this year. Um, I can't say that I see as big of a jump, like 19 to six, I think 31 last year. I see a little bit of improvement this year. I'm going to go with 22, uh, uh, for Michigan state. And are you tracking these? Did you put these down in your notes app? Yes, I did. I did turn that into our union supervisor. Um, and we will uh make sure to make sure to get our bonus for that. But yeah, 22. Yeah. So, I think it's an improvement, but and that's still I mean, let's let me take a look at who that would have been. See if I can find who was 22 in offense last year. This, well, of where's,
1: course I'll I'll guess Michigan State. Where's Michigan going to end up?
0: Um man, it is a hard one. I I hate not knowing where we're sitting for uh your quarterback situation for the full year. But um, I think I'm with you on an improvement. I don't hate Josh Gaddis as much as you. By the way, 22nd offense last year was Oregon. Interesting. So I think we can be as good as Oregon's offense was last year. I don't think they were anything outrageous. I don't know anything sixth, about uh
1: Oregon. Six would have you
0: with uh, Coastal Carolina was oh, let's last go. year. And they put a ton of points up. So <laughs> hell yeah. Um, Michigan though, uh, still a slight improvement. But I'll say it's it's from 19 to 16 like a, a minor improvement but not not as big of a jump I think the offensive line production is huge I think that you still get good consistent production out of your passing and running game so everything comes up a little bit but it's not a huge jump to sixth. I mean if you guys have well I, well, we'll get into the defense next week but if you guys have a sixth ranked offense like I think you have to say you go into the Ohio State game undefeated then, right? Like um, or two. I mean, I like uh yeah. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll
1: we'll get further into that last week. But yeah, I I mean I am gonna go ahead and Predict ten and one going into the Ohio State game. So right. I, I agree. I mean, that's where I, my mindset with the offense for MSU. I'm gonna say they're gonna finish thirty first again. I think that again. your improved wide receiving core, another year of Jaden Reed growing into his body, another year of mastering whatever him and Peyton Thorne haven't done yet <laughs> in the, all these years. Right. I think that is gonna make up for the loss of Kenneth Walker, but I just don't. I can't see the run game getting to a point where they don't need carried by the air raids, not air raid. Cause that's not what it is, but, but I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot in a lot of key situations. I think you're going to find yourself in third and long a lot. And I think that you're going to be able to get out of it a lot. I, I really do. I am impressed with that wide receiving core. So yeah, I'm going to say the same numbers for those wondering why, like, Michigan State's offense was 31st. Um, SP Plus was particularly low on last year's Spartans. Um, All of the numbers there, if you don't know, are opponent-adjusted. And basically, he views turnovers as luck, mostly. Yeah. And Michigan State benefited from a lot of timely turnovers last year, and so I don't think they were very high up in general in his model, not just the offense. I want to say they finished, like – in the high 20s, low 30s, like as a team. 28. 28 as a team. Yeah. So,
0: so, so they, they
1: yeah, ended 28 up 28 as a team. So, like I said, not a perfect pretty, model. It, it just was, provides
0: 31, 31 on offense, 30. Let me see here. I got to find this again. Uh, 30 on defense and 114 in special teams. So. <laughs> That also, I don't know how much that weighs um, your total SP. Like, I'm sure it's not an equal third situation here, but you know, not sure how much that weighed them down. But yeah,
1: um, I was expecting their too. special teams to be good because you said the offense and defense, you gave me numbers both lower than what their final rating was. I thought maybe it'd be good.
0: But I no, think that they, they get this. pulled up a little bit because of some of that opponent adjusted, like a hard schedule. Like,
1: yes, that's true.
0: You know, they got blown out by ohio state um which doesn't kill your sp plus they beat everyone they should i mean the purdue game was you know that that's something different but i think i think they did pretty good on uh you know with the schedule they had i think that they did well for his numbers um there but yeah i think i'm actually just trying to find uh you know the turnover numbers from last year i mean 10 interceptions for Peyton Thorne, 27 touchdowns. I mean, that's a
1: good 2.7, you know,
0: TD to interception. Fumbles are a good. big
1: part of the luck. His equation, thing, too. Though.
0: Yeah. Which I can't remember. I don't think I remember really any fumbles. Well, so. see, uh,
1: all, well you had one that was pretty major that uh, got oh, yeah, overturned because of a yeah. shin on the. Oh, and
0: push. you have, I mean, and again, you know, speaking of luck, I mean, you have things <laughs> like the. The Michigan game is a great example, right? Of an overturned fumble one way, and and then a JJ McCarthy just poor exchange the other way. Although Michigan State also could have recovered another JJ McCarthy fumble that game. So, uh, yeah, it'll be insane,
1: but... JJ uh, McCarthy, really. Oh, anyway. Anyways, uh, we don't <laughs> we don't need to talk about last year's Michigan Michigan State game. I don't uh, know.
0: We I think we do. I think we need enough time. If I'm being honest, if I'm being honest. I don't think we spent enough time on it last year, and I don't think we spent because I don't even know if we recorded last year until weeks later. Uh, and I and I think that uh, I think, you know, we could spend more time on it. I think we should take a little we, time every show until we play time. again, okay. and uh, we should make sure that we talk about our favorite moments every week. Okay,
1: my favorite moment from that game <laughs> was the Andre Anthony touchdown, and then I um. Uh, I don't recall anything after that moment when we went up 7-0. That was the end of the game.
0: Stop the count.
1: Stop the count. That's right. Oh, my God. Man, I can't believe they're – okay, so if we're going to do this, I can't believe they were up 16 points lost. That was such fucking – like, dude, dude. You would have been thirteen and zero. Not that it would have mattered. You still get your face pounded by Georgia no matter what your <laughs> record is going into it. But like, yeah. man, you could have beat Michigan State and Ohio State in the same season. That hasn't happened. I don't even know when the last time that happened was, dude. I love that we 2003. got two thousand three. Ah, this is beautiful. Two
0: thousand three. Just keep going. Okay. Um, Just keep going. I'm.
1: I'm so close. I will sit. <laughs> I will say uh, Mr. Patino that I I did want to murder referees that night like I full-on I usually don't go into senseless violence mode about referees <laughs> like or, or go into the mode where I'll be willing to tweet like yep this game was completely decided by the referees but I was feeling myself that night I just was firing them off. Oh, man, the referees were horrendous in that game, but that doesn't take away Michigan State's victory. I
0: just wish – all I'm mad about is that I wish – I'm just jealous of Ohio State fans again because when the referees are deemed bad against Ohio State, we get a great picture of a ref smacking Mike Weber on the ass. And, like, it just – I just wish I had that picture. I wish I had that picture.
1: I wish I had that picture –
0: to um, make fun of
1: Michigan fans. Ra- uh, I wish the,
0: you could see Kevin Warren on the sidelines next to his son who is like the sixth tight end on the MSU roster and you could just see like them embrace. And and I just wish we had that. I just
1: oh, real I was talk. I robbed.
0: Again, stop the steal. I was robbed. Uh I've hired Sidney Powell to give me these photos and oh, Jesus Christ. It's coming. <laughs>
1: real talk Kenneth Walker didn't make it into the fucking end zone before he dropped that ball oh, it's so
0: she told me her name